0: Hello, welcome to another episode of the Capital Employed Podcast. For this episode, I had the pleasure of being joined by Tony Capolotto, who is the founder and investment manager of Foster Point Capital, an investment firm based in Seattle. Tony and I share a few of the same holdings, so it was personally a real pleasure to have him come onto the podcast to discuss his investment style, what he looks for in management and his thesis for investing in two US small caps. Full disclosure, Tony discusses his investment in Mama Mancini's Holdings, Inc., which I am also a shareholder in. This was a great episode and I think you will really enjoy it. Before we begin, make sure to add your email to the Capital Employed email list. Every so often we publish exclusive interviews that are only available to those on the list. To receive these bonus episodes, please visit capitalemployedfm forward slash exclusive and add your email to the list. And if you listen to this podcast on the Apple Podcast Player, We would really appreciate it if you could leave a review, as the feedback is extremely useful. Okay, let's jump into this week's episode. Please enjoy my conversation with Tony. Hi, Tony. Thanks for coming on to the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: So can you provide an overview of what you do and what is your investment style?
1: Yeah, so I started Foster Point Capital in December of 2020. And at the firm, I manage a long-biased, go-anywhere investment strategy, and I tend to gravitate towards small and micro-cap securities. I spend a great deal of time searching for high-quality businesses that are currently misunderstood by the market, uh, usually for one reason or another. And my goal is to understand what might drive them to eventually be understood. I guess, as far as my investment style goes, I would consider myself to be rooted in value investing. But, you know, I'm not searching for things like net, net, net nets. and I, I really don't screen for anything like price to book. I guess really I would describe myself as a free cash flow investor. Um, I, I really take a ownership mentality when I'm investing. When I look at a business, I really want to understand what I want to own this entire business. So I guess in that regard, I, I would consider myself almost like a private equity investor within public markets.
0: Okay. Um, and what type of businesses do you kind of focus on? Is there a certain, certain metrics that you like to see or is it certain business models?
1: I certainly like to spend time on companies that are undergoing some type of change I do enjoy looking at complex situations, even though um, I do like to try and keep things as simple as possible. I'm really intrigued by situations that the market might have a hard time valuing or understanding. Um, that leads me to you know, situations like spinoffs or IPOs, things where maybe it's more difficult to get a clear historical financials. And then, you know, I, I like to look into businesses that don't screen well today, are underfollowed or not followed at all. As far as characteristics go, given a, an individual business, I like a backdrop where a business can benefit from large directional themes or societal changes. I like to target businesses and industries with uh, strong secular growth forces. And so, you know, I, I love to look at industries with with growing addressable markets. As far as within their industries, if if a business is able to grow their market share uh, faster than the industry is growing, I, I I really enjoy looking at businesses that are able to do that. And then you know, recently I've spent a lot of time looking at different industries that are that are quite fragmented. I really like to start with management. It's important to me that I'm invested with a management that will do what they say they're going to do management that understands value creation, has a growth, clear growth strategy, you know, and management that's already sort of in the process of executing on on a, a growth strategy and on a, a growth plan. You know, another thing that I look for with management is a, a clear capital allocation strategy, a management that's, that is uh, shareholder friendly, and management that's properly incentivized. So oftentimes I like to invest in companies where management owns shares themselves or their compensated, compensation is highly dependent on the, the company doing well. As far as operating characteristics, I really like to be invested in businesses that have multiple levers to grow, attractive unit economics, high returns on incremental invested capital, operating leverage companies that display a deep understanding of their customer, and then companies that are improving their product based on data they receive from their customer, really with the goal of, of improving that customer experience. So those are some of the char- characteristics that I look for in, in businesses.
0: And how concentrated is your portfolio? How many stocks do you normally hold?
1: I'm certainly not as concentrated as uh, some of, of the managers out there on, on Fintwit and some of the emerging managers and some of the quite successful managers. My, my sweet spot is, is generally 15 to 50 securities. At the moment, I'm, I'm closer to 15 than, than 50. But that's, that's sort of my sweet spot.
0: And you mentioned you like um, management that can show they're good capital allocators. What, what, what are the signposts for you that, that show they are doing a good job at allocating capital?
1: Sure. Well, I, I would say um, transparency is, is a pretty big thing as far as what's reported. I, I do understand that there may be situations where management doesn't want to disclose you know, competitive advantage for as long as they can. But management that understands unit economics, um, understands lifetime value, is long-term in their thinking, is not necessarily caught up in the quarter to quarter, you know, Wall Street rat race, but also is, you know, shareholder friendly and transparent and communicates with shareholders to let them know what's going on.
0: Do you mainly just focus in America or or do you ever look internationally?
1: I do look internationally. I only speak English, so I do feel somewhat limited to, you know, English speaking countries. As far as international exposure, I've looked into the UK. I own a company in the UK. I've owned a company in, in Canada before. And then um, I've, I've done a little bit of work on some Australian names, but predominantly you know, North American-based and, and within the US.
0: And are you still finding good value in the US?
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting, given that I, I like to look at companies that are undergoing change I think that maybe presents a, a few more opportunities than you know backward looking uh, traditional value screens but yeah I would say probably about average.
0: Okay that's good so if we if we can jump into your portfolio if we might could you um, talk us through two stocks that you're very bullish on for the long term and what was your thesis for investing?
1: Sure so the, f- the first one I'll talk about I I believe you own as well, is uh, Mama Mancini's. And this is a small uh, US-based company in the packaged foods industry. And they are growing sales organically at a pretty nice clip. On a a forward basis, uh, they have an attractive valuation. And they have a lot of things in the pipeline. So they've recently signed on a, a ton of new contracts, which will flow directly to the top line. They've also expanded facilities, so they're dealing with a nice bit of operating leverage. The, the company is really expecting incremental margins of, of around 20% on an operating basis. And so I think those are not being fairly valued, those, those additional contracts and, and the revenue growth from their organic business uh, is not being fairly valued by the market at this point in time. They've also um, spent a great deal of time building out a food service business, which I think has massive potential within colleges and universities and within hospitality, for instance, in hotels. And they've recently brought on two board members that I think are going to be very positive for the company, one of which is uh, Connor Haley from Fox Capital. And I think he just brings A wealth of knowledge to the company. Um, I know he. I'm sure he would be helpful from you know everything from internal operations as well as their newly established M and A strategy. And then the other is um, a former hospitality professional who I I believe was at Marriott, and he's already introduced the company to the entire uh, Marriott leadership. So I think there are some good things on the horizon for the company. They recently uplisted to the NASDAQ, which has already provided quite a bit uh, more liquidity for the stock. I personally think that they're on the way to grow themselves into inclusion in some major US indexes like the Russell 2000. Uh, Once that happens, I think they would be an attractive investment for incremental buyers, whether it's on the institutional side or individual investors. But that's sort of my thesis. I was wondering if you had anything to add to that.
0: It's interesting you mentioned that they listed because that that's what brought me on board i've been following this company for maybe maybe the last 12 months but but i couldn't buy it but as soon as they uplisted to the nasdaq it's been possible for me to buy so i'm very bullish on this stock as well it's um kind of my investing style is very much on that gap that sort of growth at a reasonable price and i just think for the growth prospects they have it's a good valuation as well i think at the moment
1: yeah, and uh, they recently were approved for a credit facility of, I think it was 10500000 million. I've been waiting eagerly to hear what their, their acquisition or next acquisition is going to be. I know Carl Wolf, the CEO, has, has mentioned that it's going to be seriously accretive. If he's right and, and it happens soon, I think that could be very positive. They're reporting earnings in, what is it, 14 days or roughly there? Yeah, I guess the the one risk I would I would consider right now just for this next report are supply chain issues, but that might present an even better buying opportunity. So, um, yeah, very very bullish long term on this name.
0: Yeah, I think the updates on September the 9th. Do you know what type of companies they're looking to acquire?
1: They haven't provided a lot of disclosure around the type of company they've mentioned. I know Carl's mentioned he wants it to be something that is complementary to the business. You know, I've I've heard on multiple presentations, him mention e- either something in a similar line of business to what they're already doing and or possibly something uh, that's in food service. I think the food service acquisition could be really positive for the company, but I'm sure they have a great team. I'm sure they're doing the right due diligence. I'm I'm very excited to see what, what it ends up being.
0: Yeah, me too. Okay, thanks for covering that stock. And how about your second stock? Which one did you want to talk about next?
1: Sure. So, my second stock is um, a company that's run up quite a bit recently, but I'm still quite bullish on. It's um, Franklin Covey. And they are essentially a high quality, high growth, and high margin uh, management consulting business. And it was originally founded by Stephen Covey, who is the author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. They've been in business forever, and in 2015, the company started to go undergo a, a massive transformation. And instead of offering training courses one course at a time, the company began offering basically all of its content under a universal subscription called the All Access Pass. Today, the company basically offers a Netflix-like platform for leadership development, which is really interesting. Each user on the platform can basically curate their own journey. And as the company receives more data about its users, they can start to customize um, that user experience. Uh, what I think is also interesting is that it the company does benefit from somewhat of a two-sided network in that the company basically works with uh, content creators and IP owners who then essentially licensed the, the content to the All Access Pass users. The company is experiencing extremely strong in- incremental margins. Their last quarter was fantastic. Management has a, a great idea of uh, value creation. They have a great understanding of customer acquisition cost and lifetime value. And I think they're also looking into some channels that are uh, quite attractive. I know education is another segment that they have that could be very attractive for for many years in the past they've bought back a lot of shares which I think is positive I would expect given their recent free cash flow that that's probably a, a likely scenario in the near future and they're going to um, re- report their full year uh, next quarter and I think it's going to be a a positive quarter. One of the, I guess, dislocations that I'm seeing is that consensus estimates seem low, in my opinion. It's a sort of, I guess, masked company in that it looks like their revenue is shrinking, but when you look underneath the, the surface and you look at the all-access pass subscription revenue, it's growing quite robustly. Yeah, very interesting uh, company to look into if you haven't yet.
0: Thanks for sharing that company. I have to um, delve a little bit deeper into that a bit later. It's a company I'm not uh, familiar with at all. I wanted to ask you about your influences. Is there any sort of person you've met or followed, or a mentor, perhaps, or a book or a series of books you've read that you feel has made you a better investor?
1: Yeah, I've I've learned so much from from everyone that I've met within the finance community. I found it to be just a really an amazing community of people that are willing to share. Share knowledge. Everybody seems to be interested in everyone um, succeeding and getting better, which I think is fantastic. Um, the FinTwick community, especially, has been an extremely powerful network. I started my investing journey with the classics. Uh, you know, Graham, Buffett, Fisher, Peter Lynch. I visited Omaha three times, and you know, got to see Warren Buffett and and Charlie Munger and attended some conferences there that were fantastic. As I started to evolve, um, I would say Michael Mobison has made a tremendous impact on me as an investor. The, the papers he publishes are just absolutely incredible. Patrick O'Shaughnessy's podcast, "Invest Like the Best," is just a treasure trove of knowledge. And then, you know, some investors in more of the microcap space, I would say um, Connor Haley at Altafox published a case study on the making of a multi-bagger. And on the Microcap Club YouTube channel, Ian Castle actually interviews Connor about that, which I think is a super powerful resource for anyone who's trying to understand, you know, the dynamics that go into making a multi-bagger. Recently, Elliot Turner of RGA Investment Advisors did a piece on emerging quality that I thought was really fantastic. I uh, follow Yaron Namark at One Main Capital uh, pretty closely. He does great work. Adam Wilk with Greystone Capital Management is fantastic. And I recently got a chance to meet um, David Polanski of, Emer- of Immersion Investment Partners. And I think he does just absolutely high quality work. Finally, I spend a lot of time reading individual re- reports on Value Investors Club and Seeking Alpha. And um, one of my favorite resources is investment letters quarterly investment letters from you know high quality investors and i i've just learned a tremendous amount getting a chance to read about how these great investors think and and operate and just have found that to be a fantastic resource
0: do you find those letters a good uh, resource for finding no investment ideas as well when you look at their sort of maybe top 10 holdings
1: absolutely absolutely i think you know anytime um I've spent a lot of time diving into these investors and their different, you know, process for investing and and once I've determined that perhaps we're aligned yeah, I'll I'll read anything I can get a chance to read. I'll I'll read from these other investors and I've found some in, incredible investments from other great investors.
0: Okay, that's great. Yeah, so where can uh, listeners find out more about you and Foster Point Capital?
1: Yeah. So listeners can go to my website and that is fosterpointcapital.com. Uh, listeners could also go to Twitter and find me at my Twitter handle, which is fosterpointcap. And yeah, I've got uh, a couple of research reports up and I, I'm pretty actively tweeting. So hopefully I can add value to your listeners as well.
0: That's brilliant, Tony. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I hope I can um, get you back on in the future some sometime because uh, Yours and mine investing styles are very similar so <laughs> I love to see uh, what you what you're up to sounds great i had a blast